title of our lesson this morning is a guy nicknamed Barnabas, and that's from Acts the fourth chapter, and Kenny read that for us this morning, and I'll just add this. Barnabas is first mentioned in Acts the fourth chapter, and we'll notice that in just a moment. His name at that particular time was actually Joseph, or as some translations render that, Joseph. And then he was nicknamed Son of Encouragement, and that was by the apostles. They were the one that gave him that nickname. And so Joseph became Barnabas. He lived what he believed. He was generous. He was supportive. He worked for the Lord. He contended for the faith, and he stayed the course, and I'm going to leave it at that slide right there. We're lucky enough to get that far. We'll just leave it there. So we're going to talk about Joseph and him being nicknamed Barnabas. So let me give you this illustration as we get into this this morning. I was probably a junior, senior in high school, Garden Grove, California. It was a large high school. It was probably twice the size of the small town that I came from in Missouri big campus. There was a guy that I knew, and being in such part of a, such a large school, you didn't know everybody. You didn't know everybody in your class. You knew certain people. I knew this guy, and his nickname, not very many people knew his nickname. His nickname was Strawberry. Can you imagine what color his hair was? <laughs> Strawberry decides he wants to run for class president. I never said anything to him, but personally I'm thinking, you're kidding, right? (laughs) What I didn't realize is he had a great campaign strategy. Now, there were other folks, and I don't remember exactly the names, but it would probably went like this. You've all been there in high school. You know how these campaigns go for class president or class office. Vote for Dan. He's the man. (laughs) It's like, seriously. Vote for Carol, because she's Carol. (laughs) Strawberry. Put up these huge banners. And he put this strawberry on there. Vote for Strawberry. It was a landslide. (laughs) he won hands down (laughs) but it was kind of like okay strawberry now that you're class president what are you going to do I don't have a clue (laughs) but that nickname from then on everybody knew strawberry and that nickname stuck so he became well known Barnabas as we know him, is first mentioned in Acts the fourth chapter. And it's a time when persecution is really kind of starting to rise. And mostly at this particular time, though, it's focused on the leadership. It's more geared towards the apostles. And so that's kind of a problem for these young Christians. It's a problem for this young church that's trying to get on its feet. But in addition to that, there's been a lot of people that have stayed in Jerusalem Because they're wanting to learn and wanting to grow. That presents a problem. They need to be fed. (laughs) They need to be housed. 
And so how are you going to provide for all of these people? Well, what we read is that there were certain ones who started to sell lands and houses and so forth, and they were bringing that and laying it at the apostles' feet. And that's where we're introduced to Joseph. And he does that. And he sells some property. He takes the proceeds from it. And he brings it and he just lays it at the apostles' feet. You decide how does this need to be used. What I'm interested in is supporting these people. I'm interested in supporting this movement. Because that's what it was. This was a movement. Because the apostles were so encouraged by his actions, they then call him Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement. And it sticks. Never again do you read in the New Testament of Joseph. Every time it's mentioned after that, it's Barnabas from then on. You know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, okay. So we know this particular occasion and what he did. And it's like, why did they give him this name? Well, you can see what he does. He, this is encouraging to them. And that he wants to support them. He wants to support this movement. And so it's actually what he does that helps to then earn him this nickname. So, you remember Snow White? You remember the seven dwarfs? Do you remember Dopey? <laughs> Do you remember Sleepy? Do you remember Sneezy? Do you remember Grumpy? Why were they given those names? That's kind of who they were. And so they had that name because that's who they were. They earned it. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. He earned it. So as you take a look at the various passages that are mentioned in the New Testament in regards to Joseph who is now nicknamed Barnabas, what other passages immediately come to mind when you think about Barnabas? Well, there's Acts 4, right? Well, actually, there's several other passages. And so it begins to reveal to us as we see him in these other passages why he so earned this name of Barnabas and why he was deserving of it, why he was the son of encouragement. So in Acts, the fourth chapter is the first place that we see him mentioned. And since I've already kind of talked about that a little bit, he sells that land, he brings it, and he lays it at the apostles' feet. You use this however you need it. That was generous of him. That was one of his characteristics. I want to give to this and to this movement. And I want to encourage these people. And the way I can do it at this moment is by doing this. So that's what he does. And that helps to sustain that movement. 
So the next time we see him is over in Acts the ninth chapter. And there's a young Christian. You want to know what his name is? It's Saul. He's a young Christian. Previous to his being converted, he has actually persecuted that movement. (laughs) He has actually killed people that were in that movement. But then he is converted. And he comes to Jerusalem, and now he wants to be a part of this group. And they're like, I don't think so. (laughs) Who is it? Takes him brings him to the apostles. It's Barnabas. And so now, he's encouraging, he's helping an individual. And this Saul, we know who he's going to become, right? But at that moment in time, it's pivotal. What if Barnabas had not been there, but he was there. And it made a big difference, huge difference in Saul's life. So when's the next time we see? It's Acts 11. And the movement is gaining momentum. And there's getting to be more disciples, but with the growth of the church, with the growth of disciples, with the growth of this movement, it's bringing more persecution. And it scatters the disciples. But God is using that. And we're told in Acts the 11th chapter that they went as far as Phoenicia, and they went to Cyprus, and they went to Antioch. Antioch. You ought to underline that. Put a little star by that. Antioch. Keep that in your mind. And so, the church back in Jerusalem, they hear, hey, there's disciples being made out there. And there's a group that is now in Antioch. You know what? Because of all that's going on, we ought to send somebody out there to teach them and encourage them and strengthen them, help them. Who shall we send? Let's send an apostle. No? (laughs) Well, who are we going to send? Let's send Barnabas. Let's send Barnabas. Ever thought about that? So that's here who they sent. And in Acts 11 and about verse 24, it says, He was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Spirit and the faith. And, the faith. and it said people were being added. It was growing. And after he's there for a little bit, you know what he does? Hey, this thing's growing. And these folks here, they need to be taught and they need to be encouraged and it's getting bigger. I think I need a little help. <laughs> so you know what he does? He leaves. Wait a minute. <laughs> Is now the time to leave? Yeah, because I'll be right back. You know where he goes? 
he goes to Tarsus. And you know who he gets? <laughs> he gets Saul. And he brings him back there. And it grows. And a great many are added. And they stayed there with him. And they taught them. That's what we're told. Well, just shortly after that in Acts 11, there are some prophets that come from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, by the name of Agabus, stands up and he says, there's going to be a famine. And it's going to be wide. And it's going to affect a lot of people. And so the church there at Antioch, they're thinking, well, what about those brethren back there in Judea? They're going to be hurting. So they decide, you know what, we ought to send some relief down there to help support those brethren. The movement. So, you know who they decide to send? Barnabas and Saul. Now, when you read that there, and I want you to kind of keep in mind early on about Barnabas and what he's doing and the impact he's having on Saul and individuals and a church and now brethren back there. It says they sent Barnabas and Saul. See, oftentimes the way names are listed within the Scriptures... It kind of shows the priority or the importance. And at this point in time, Luke records it as we're sending Barnabas and Saul's going with him. And so they take that relief and carry it to the church back in Jerusalem. So we see Barnabas not only giving of his early on, Acts 4, possessions. But now we see him giving himself. And that's what he's been doing, is giving himself. Not only his possessions, but himself to this movement to help sustain it, to help it spread, to help it to grow. So now then, Where's the next place we see? It's Acts 13. And we all know, or most of us know, what significant event then takes place in Acts the 13th chapter. It's that first missionary journey. And the Holy Spirit is the one that designates who it is that's going to go on this first missionary journey. And do you know how Luke records that there? The Holy Spirit says, set aside for me Barnabas and Saul. That's who I'm sending, the Holy Spirit. That's who I'm sending. So the church understands. And they lay hands on them. And they send them off on that first journey. It's about 46 A.D. The Lord was crucified in about 32, 33 A.D. 
So this is about 13 years later, and now this we see all this unfolding with this happening within the book of Acts. And now it's time. Let's carry that word even further. Let's get it all the way out there. Barnabas, <laughs> you've done a pretty good job so far. You get Saul, and you go. And so they go. And there's some others that go with them. I'll mention that in just a moment. And so they leave Antioch. And they sail for Cyprus, Paphos, Perga, Pamphylia. And they're headed up into Galatia, in that region. And they make disciples. And they start churches. And then they come back to Antioch. And they stay there for a period of time. But what we also see, we'll mention this a little more in a minute. In Acts the 13th chapter, we will see those names switch. Then it will become Paul, no longer Saul. He'll become Paul. And he will become the focus from then on in the book of Acts. But that's not to say that Barnabas isn't still involved. So in Acts, the 15th chapter, we read then. There's some that have come to Antioch and they're teaching that men have to be circumcised and keep the law. And so there's this big dissension about this. And so the church at Antioch decides to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem after this no small dissension. And what we read there in Acts the 15th chapter is when they go there, they're they're contending for the faith. Just like they had been contending for the faith in Antioch. <clears throat> but then they come back with a letter from the elders, the apostles, the brethren in Judea and Jerusalem. And the letter essentially says they've been teaching the right thing. <laughs> Keep on teaching it. And they come back to Antioch. And then Paul says, we should go and visit the brethren that we established, we converted on that first missionary journey. So Barnabas is like, sounds like a good idea. Let's go. And hey, let's take John Mark with us. Can we do that? And Paul's like, no, can't do that. Why not? Because you remember when we got to Pamphylia? John Mark left us. And he came back. And Barnabas is like, yeah, I know. But let's give the boy a second chance. Let's take him with us. And Paul is like, no. No. We are not taking him. 
And so it tells us there becomes a huge argument between them. And so they decide they're going to go their separate ways. And so Paul chooses Silas and Barnabas sticks with John Mark. And I think it's interesting what happens there. Because if we had a map, I I would show you. They are at Antioch. This is up towards Syria. If you go north, you'll travel through Syria, come to Cilicia, and then you'll head into Galatia, and that's where you'll go into those churches of Iconium and Derbe and Lystra and all those places. And so when Paul leaves Antioch this time, he does not sail across the Mediterranean and hit Cyprus and go to Paphos and then Pergamon, Perga, and then Pamphylia. He is like, I'm taking the land route. <laughs> and I'm taking Silas and I'm going north. And he does. And then when he gets north, he heads west. And that's going to lead him back to those same churches. But you know what Barnabas does? He takes John Mark. And he leaves Antioch. And he heads for Cyprus. Where'd they go the first time? They left Antioch. And they went to Cyprus. And then they went to Paphos. Now on that first journey, first time they were there, they ran into this sorcerer. And they had some issues. There was a real dust up there, so to speak. And that's actually where Paul kind of takes the lead at that particular moment. And he strikes this man blind. (laughs) And then they left there and then they traveled further north and they made it to the next shore and they get into Pampilla. And that's where John Mark says, I'm going home. I don't know exactly why John Mark decided to go home. But I do know what's been recorded. I know some of the things they've experienced. And by the time he gets there, I guess I've had enough. And I'm going home. I think it's interesting that Barnabas takes him. Let's give him a second chance. And Paul's like, no. I don't know if Barnabas said this. He had to think it, (laughs) I would think. Paul, do you remember about eight years ago when you needed a second chance and you needed somebody to stand up for you? You ever known anybody like that? They need a second chance and they need somebody stand up for them? And so here they are, and Barnabas says, we're taking John Mark, and Paul says, no, we're not. And Barnabas says, yeah, we are. (laughs) And he sticks with it. And it's interesting that he leaves Antioch, he heads for Cyprus, Paphos, heads north, and he's going to go right up that same way. Have you ever heard this saying? If you get bucked off a horse, you know what you ought to do? Anybody be right? <laughs> you get right back on. Isn't that what Barnabas is doing? 
Come on, John Mark. You know, we went this way the first time. You got so far. He goes, come on. We're going back the same way. He does. Now, Paul becomes the feature, the main focus. But that's not to say that Barnabas is still not involved. Oh, because he is. He is. And so you read through the rest of the book of Acts, and we're studying it, and so we'll see this. Paul will become the focus, and they'll be the second journey, and that's where Luke kind of starts to focus now. He won't focus on Barnabas and John Mark. He'll focus on Paul and where he goes, and Silas and what happens there. And it'll be the second journey. They'll come back to Antioch. There'll be the third journey, and Paul will come down to Jerusalem where he ends up getting arrested, and then he spends two years in Caesarea until he finally applies or appeals, I should say, to Caesar. And they say, all right, that's where you're going. And he will go to Rome, and he will spend two years under house arrest there. But when Paul writes the book of Galatians, Barnabas is mentioned. And he actually talks about the time that he and Barnabas went to Jerusalem for that council. And he mentions they took Titus with him. Titus was a convert. Titus wasn't circumcised. And they took him along with them. But then, I think this is added for various reasons. In that same letter, Paul will mention Barnabas again. And it's there at Antioch. But he also mentions that the Apostle Peter is there. And then he mentions that there's certain brethren that came down from James. That means back at Jerusalem, back in Judea. Men of the circumcision. <laughs> they came down. And prior to them coming down, everybody was associating with the Gentiles. But Peter, he's kind of feeling the heat from all of this. And these are the Jews. And so he withdraws himself from the Gentiles. Doesn't want to associate so much. And you know who else gets caught up in that? Barnabas. Hmm. Now, who needs a second chance? I don't know what all unfolded after that, but I can tell you this. Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians wasn't written until probably the mid-50s. And there's an interesting little statement that is made there in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, when Paul is talking about support for preachers, for those who are preaching the gospel. And he makes this comment to the brethren at Corinth. And he says, Do not I and Barnabas have a right to support 
Or is it just Peter? Follow? This is several years later. They split up on the second missionary journey. That was around 48. This has got to be at least the mid-50s. So he knows Barnabas is still out there and he's preaching and he's confident and he's preaching the truth. And when he's talking to these brethren about support, he says, he deserves it. I deserve it, is what he's saying. Not just Peter. <laughs> We're all doing the same work. You follow what I'm saying? So do you think Paul was giving him a second chance? <laughs> I think so. He's endorsing him and telling this church that they ought to endorse him and that they ought to support him. So in the book of Acts, one time, he's called Joseph. But once he earns the nickname of Barnabas, from then on, that's who he is. And we watch what he does. And you see that he earns his nickname. Because he does all those things. He lived what he believed. So once again, back in Acts 11, and that's where the word has been spreading, the church is growing, disciples are multiplying. And that's where the church in Jerusalem decided, who are we going to send? And they send Barnabas. And so you kind of stop and ponder that for a minute a little further and ask, why did they decide to send Barnabas? Well, in the New Testament, there's a word, Greek word, for encouragement. It's called paraklesis. That's the word that is most often used in the New Testament for comfort or for encouragement. It's para, and it means alongside. Kaleo. It means to call. Someone has been called alongside to help strengthen, to encourage, to comfort. Parakletos is the word that is translated for the Holy Spirit. Remember the Gospel of John? When Jesus was together with the apostles on that last night. And Andy was there. <laughs> Andy wasn't really there. That's <laughs> for whoever listens to this day. <laughs> There's Opie. <laughs> we should have that thing at the beginning where it says, please silence cell phones. <laughs> Don't take it personal. It happens to the best of us. Okay. So Jesus is with the apostles. And what's he promised? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Comforter. And what's the Comforter going to do? It's going to guide them. Strengthen them. Comfort them. 
He's going to come alongside them. Because Jesus knows that's what they're going to need. So what did the church decide that the church in Jerusalem decide that the church in Antioch needed? We need to see that somebody's going to teach them and guide them. Somebody's going to strengthen them, comfort them, encourage them. Let's send Barnabas, the son of encouragement. So that's who they send. He's a good man. He's full of the Holy Spirit and the faith. That's who they send. He didn't just give money. He gave himself to this movement and to the people of this movement, and to his Lord. Paul will write in Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1. After he's explained the gospel and being salvation by faith in the first part of the book of Romans, when he comes to the 12th chapter, this is what Paul always does. He explains doctrine, and then he makes the application. And so in the 12th chapter, he's making the application. And this is what he says as he begins the 12th chapter. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. (laughs) Reasonable service. Present yourself to the Lord. And he pleads for that based upon the mercies of God. This is what he's done for you. So this should be your response. In Acts 9. What it says there in about verse 26 and 27. In regards to Barnabas and Saul. Because Saul was needing acceptance. It says he took him. And he brought him. young Christian can we see that can we see the application and young Christians need someone to come alongside and to help them to strengthen them to grow and to develop and become what God knows they have the potential to become do you think that day Barnabas thought, I got to go get him because he's going to become Paul. (laughs) And when the church there rejected him, did you think they were saying, oh, we don't want no Apostle Paul around here? They didn't see it. But thank goodness, Barnabas was there. And he brought it. Support. I think this is where we need to make the point. Barnabas didn't just go to church. He was the church. And that's the way we're supposed to be. That's what the church is. Serving the Lord, carrying His message, making disciples, encouraging, strengthening them. Help the movement. But we also see that when certain ones came to Antioch, 
And they were saying, oh, you're going to have to be circumcised and you're going to have to keep the law. The language that is used there in Galatians, the second chapter, says when there was no small dissension, this was fight on, this battle on. We are contending for the faith. That's what Jude says in Jude 3, contend earnestly for the faith that has once for all time been delivered unto the saints. This is what you contend for. The faith has been delivered. Not multiple ones. This one. And so in Acts 15, he and Saul, he and Paul go to Jerusalem. And they did not go there to find out what they should be teaching. That had been made known by revelation and Paul states that. And as evidence, they take along Titus with them. We did not teach him to be circumcised and keep the law. This is what we taught him. And when he leaves Jerusalem, when they leave Jerusalem, the apostles, the elders, the brethren, send along a letter. We've heard that there are certain ones who have troubled you. And we gave no such command. So what they've been teaching you, Paul and Barnabas, you stay with it. You stay what the Holy Spirit has revealed through them. So the message says, Stay with what the Holy Spirit has revealed. Not numerous faith. It's one faith. You stay with that. Generosity from the beginning. He gave of his means because we come to understand he gave himself. And Barnabas supported others and he was willing to give a second chance. And Saul became the great apostle. And John Mark, he wrote that Gospel of Mark you have in your New Testament. Would Saul have become without him? I don't know. Maybe so. But I know with him, he did. Because the Holy Spirit revealed that. And John Mark, would he have ever recovered without Barnabas? I don't know, maybe. But I know because of him he did. I know that. So Barnabas worked for the Lord. He gave of his means. He was teaching. He was preaching. He helped the needy. He contended for the faith. He stayed the course. So back to Garden Grove High School. So a young kid by the name of nickname Strawberry decides he wants to run for class president. And he's been given that nickname because of the collar of his hair. <laughs> Joseph was called Barnabas. The 
because that was the color of his life. One Christian writer said, you know, other Christians, young Christians, churches, young churches, they need people like Barnabas to work and to encourage and strengthen and comfort. Stay the course. I think it's interesting in Acts 11 and verse 23, when he went to Antioch, it says that he came and he saw and he was glad. (laughs) And he encouraged. There's that word again. Paracletum. He came alongside. He strengthened them. And he encouraged them. You know what else is interesting? Acts 11. It's a lot of interesting stuff in God's Word, isn't it? You know what else is interesting? It really struck me this week. We've said this numerous times, but this time it's like a slap to the face. It says, and at Antioch, At Antioch. And Barnabas was there. They were they were first called Christians. At Antioch. You think that's by accident? I don't think so. A guy with a new name is there encouraging them. And it's the first time they're called Christians. And I'll close with this passage. Isaiah 62 and verse 2. You shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall designate. What do you think that name was? Christian. And they were first called Christians at Antioch. Room full of Christians. Maybe there's some that aren't. You have an opportunity to do that this very day. Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you've not been living the way you should as a Christian, you want to make your relationship right with Him, we want to help. While together we stand and while we sing.